0: Good evening, Patriots, and it's Tuesday, June 14th in the year 2022, and if you're on the east coast or heading that way east towards the Atlantic, you're into Wednesday already, so happy Wednesday to you. Before we begin tonight, Patriots, let's focus just a little bit on the importance of your immune system. It's very critical We need to keep it boosted and strong. That's part of being a healthy warrior and remaining active and ready in the fight. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C, Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake, do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. So I'm going to start with something kind of interesting here, a little bit of history. In World War II, the allied Australian and New Zealand forces had a special ops group, which they called the Coast Watchers. Now, these were the guys that were instrumental in rescuing John F. Kennedy, Jr., I'm sorry, John F. Kennedy, Sr., John F. Kennedy, after the battle that left him stranded in the ocean or on the beach, whatever that was, because he was in the those little PT boats, if you remember. Now, part of that Coast Watchers group, there was a subgroup that became famous for their clandestine work, and that unit was called the Z Special Unit. And John F. Kennedy Jr. wore a Z Special Insignia tattoo on his right shoulder. And that's a knife with, through a Z. In fact, the, there's an insignia, and it's the Z Special Unit insignia, um, there's there's a plaque for that. And what's interesting is that when you look at the Special Forces insignia, and you look at it is a sword through lightning bolts, which in effect are Z's. And John F. Kennedy set up Special Forces. In fact, one of the things that he gave as a mission set, two special forces is that one of their greatest tasks when they set this up, telling them one of their greatest tasks would be in the future to protect and save the United States. So here's where it all comes together. And it's an interesting list. We'll call it a coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences at this point when Vladimir Putin sent in the Russian units into Ukraine the lead unit that was doing all of the covert work was the Z Battalion. So I'll just let you sit on that one for a little bit and realize how strange the world just got. Just like that. <laughs> so I guess that's where all roads lead to Z, right? Now, on another little note on this, because I'm just I'm just doing some interesting pondering and thinking tonight, I'm going to share with you before we dig into some stuff. Someone just asked, what is Z? Z is a letter. And I just already explained that Z is a representation of a covert unit that was called the Z Special Operations Unit. So, and that's just what they went by. Our designation was Z. Just like S soft D, Special Operations Force Delta is goes by D. So, Here's some interesting things also to think about. And this is part, gets part to what I've many times said, one of my criticisms with the way that elements within the movement think, because they get very myopic and they don't want to look at the broader picture. And this is a point where we have to pursue truth and start looking at a wider optic of what truth really is. All right. So this is where I want to get into. When you look at president trump's background it has weirdness in it all over the place and it's essentially it's out there in the open for everybody to grab so it has led to a number of conspiracy theories and i'm going to leave these as conspiracy theories because the, the suggestion is that he's actually a representation of like the masons or something like that because of his connection through his whole interconnections of things. So, for example, he's, there's like five or six cases, maybe more, of young girls that have been paid off by lawyers to be silent and to have cases sealed that accused him of rape. I, and I'm not saying any of this is true or not true. I'm just giving you some idea, points here. In one of his interviews when with Ivanka, I just listened to this earlier tonight. They The question was, to Ivanka, what do you have in common? And she said, business and something else. And when they turned to him, his first comment was, sex, which is pretty disgusting when you're sitting next to your daughter. And then he laughed. He said, I guess I can't say that. So there's a lot of very strange. There's some pretty dark elements. He's also, I think they've now found that he was on the plane to Epstein Island like eight times. So this is what I want to bring up. And and this is where this all comes together for me. Because again, it's looking at the obvious. And I don't, I never, my mind is never accepts the obvious. It's like somebody that reads a word in the Bible. And so that's all it means. It's like probably not since God doesn't use English and he doesn't use things that simply. And if you're going to be that foolish to think that that's the only thing God meant, then. Good luck to you. the The point that I'm getting at here is one of the th- and things that is I've struggled with is why the deep state that we know of, as we know the deep state now, went from looking at Trump as a darling child to literally overnight hating him. And of course, the the kind of the superficial thing is that well, Trump was involved in their circles and he turned on them or that he had penetrated their inner circles and he was revealing the truth. But it doesn't quite account for the measure of hatred for this man, the obsessive hatred for him and what we know of and probably more than we know of, likely more than we know of, attempts on his life. Unless you look at something else. And this is where I think we miss a lot is whether Whatever his role was, and I'm going to paint two pathways of possibilities of what Trump was before he became president. I want you to consider these in the reflection of when we hear the things that we have, we have everything. So the imagination is how did NSA and whoever it was in the intelligence community get all the data on everything, even in in the bowels of Epstein Island, unless you had somebody there that could get in. See, when you do an undercover operation, so this is the two stories. One storyline would be criminal and one storyline would be a covert operator. But both of those have a similarity, whether you realize it or not. If you're going to be a deep covert operator, you are going to have to do the crimes of the criminals that you're trying to catch. There is no way around it. Because otherwise, you'll never be accepted. Unlike Bill Clinton, who claimed, I never inhaled when they asked him about smoking pot. That is never going to fly when you're within a criminal element. If you are deep within the criminal element, you either become them or they will find you and you will become their victim. It is that simple. And that's the same when you're doing covert operations around the world. It doesn't matter who you're dealing with. You have to cross the line and accept that if you're going to go that pathway, that there are deeds that you must do that will seem They will morally conflict with who you are if you are seeking to penetrate them. If you are a bad guy, then you're just doing the deeds that are part of the process and path you're taking. My point of that is somewhere along the way, whether Trump was working with them by his choice or whether Trump was working to get inside of them, my opinion is that he did he got in so deep they trusted him, which means there had to be dirty deeds done. That's the only reason, and my, it's the only conclusion I can come to is why they hate him so much because he truly knows who is who and what deeds were done, hence they have it all. And I'll take it a step further. We're pretty sure about the story at this point in time that he was chosen by an elite group, whoever they are, to run for president. And we have confirmed through two sources, one of which was on this show, which was Patrick Byrne and others since then, that the 2016 election was supposed to go to Hillary Clinton. But in the last hours, there was a hack done off the shores of the United States that allowed Trump to win. That's how screwed up the election system has been. It's never been fair. So the question is, what compelled Trump to work and give up everything he had, everything, to become president, which is effectively becoming a prisoner? Just so I'm clear what I just said. Once you've become president, you lose all your freedoms of a normal person. The rest of your life, you'll be surrounded by security and you'll be restricted on your movements to a certain degree. You're never going to drive in anything other than an up armored vehicle or whatever else. That's just the life of those that took, took on presidency. And so what compelled him to give up all of that that he had the story that is told to the Patriots is that he wanted to save the country and he did it for the good of the country. So on following that good line, we also know that he was very close friends with John F. Kennedy Jr. So part of that story that works is that it goes or that they present is that he, or is, I should say has been written by some, is that because of the death of John F. Kennedy Jr., he was compelled to seek and destroy all of those involved. And so he pursued the path that allowed him to get the inside and then to ultimately run for president and to bring it all down. That's kind of the maga q line. But there's another possibility in all of this that people don't really want to touch and I, and I'm getting to a point here so just bear with me cuz this is all this is all concept and theory. There's no there's suggested there's indicators that some of this is true but we can't prove this for a fact. But we can definitely put the pieces together. And this is building kind of an early intelligence model. This is how you'd frame it in looking at the possibilities that are there. The other true possibility is that Trump was, in fact, one of them. And that he was doing all the deeds that they do. Either way, he had to do the deeds that they did in order to get inside their circles. These are people that are evil. These are people that are willing to give an injection to the entire world to slaughter kids to groom kids, and if you think for a second you're going to be able to fool them, these are psychopaths. If you've ever been around a psychopath, they can sniff you out in half a second if you are not one of them. So there's no possible way that he did not participate in some of the deeds. So either he was sent in or by choice or by direction to go inside the group, or he was already inside the group and he was given a choice to turn state's evidence on them and see, and receive protection and run for president. Either way, there had to be dirty deeds done. Now, why do I bring all that up? Because it's part of looking at truth, and it's what I've been saying over and over, that for those that are worshiping idols, all idols will fall. There is no other way forward in this process. This is truly a God-level event. And if there is going to be any sort of salvation of humanity, all idols must fall and all truths must be revealed. For those clinging on to the perfection of Trump, there has to be a point when that is shattered if we are going to go forward. We cannot have idols. And this is part of in an analysis, when you're looking at things like this and being objective with the facts that are before you, if you're going to be blinded by an obsession for an idol, you're not going to see the whole picture. I've been challenging the the considerations pretty regularly these days on Luke ten nineteen and John 14, 12. And I do challenge them because it's red-letter language. It's Christ's words. And it's the same principle in play. If Christ says, behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you, then that means what it says. Otherwise, you have to default to the fact that Christ was either speaking in metaphor, in parable, which he was not, or he was lying because it's red letter language. So that states an incredible amount of power that we have within us if, those, if you're going to abide by the words of Christ. So again, it's the same type of thinking that applies to almost everything, and that's the pursuit of truth. And when we're pursuing truth, we have to start looking at what is said and what is done. If you take an undercover police officer and there's plenty of cases here to show this where they end up having to reveal and when they bring a criminal to court, they have to bring in their informant, their inside guy. But there's always this line that somewhere along the way they're going to have to give immunity for the crimes because in order for that police officer to have succeeded, if he's going to be a deep undercover or we'll just say agent, deep undercover into a criminal element, they are going to have to participate within the crimes to get close enough to the criminal to be able to persecute or prosecute. Something that you have to, it's its not a question, it's a fact. And it's not, and then this isn't theoretical, this is proven time and again with deep cover operations. When you hear of the concept in the James Bond film of the double O status, which is quite frankly, licensed to kill, that is a, it's not designated that way, but that's part of what clandestine branch does in the CIA and other agencies, GRU, MI6, et cetera. And they operate within the civilian realm, not within a war realm. And they are given full authority and autonomy to do whatever is necessary to accomplish a mission. Which means doing evil deeds as well as doing the necessary deeds to solve the problem. So I bring this up because, one, just the most obvious thing is what is the obsessive hatred that the leadership of the world has towards Trump? Imagine a guy, I mean, in the, in the shallow response is he ran for president and he wasn't one of them. And he was supporting the people. Well, that's fine, except it makes no sense that you would turn the entire global media network against a single man and his family and every possible resource deployed to defame him and destroy him. So. And then you go to the place of, well, he's not bought off. OK, OK. But he's still been a player, so why be so upset about it? Because if he's not taking your money for a campaign, he was a player for years, which is obvious. I think, like I said, I think it's a six or eight trips to Epstein Island. You don't just pop. These people aren't just photobombing him, and he's not just going on these things for pleasure tours. You don't go to Epstein Island and hang out and with drinking martinis while a group of people are underground chewing on baby flesh. It doesn't work that way. We're talking about getting into the bowels of the most evil of all evil ever known to man, which is literally getting into the the center and core of Babylon. And you're not going to pass muster unless you can be one of them. This is not to frame Trump in a negative or positive way, but to put it in a truthful perspective of, what would be required. And my guess is that a lot of the persona around Trump of being playing 5D chess and, you know, having the goods on them, getting close, but not really in there. I think most of that is the story that was given so people could digest it. But I think that the real nature of the story is demonstrated in the evil and hatred for the man because I think that he was so close inside that they trusted him. And that is human nature. That when somebody inside of your, your inner circle violates that trust, there is a palpable hatred that will percolate up in most circles. And I think from that, there is a significant lesson in that. And I think that lesson starts in Hebrews 12. So I'll let you ponder those thoughts, by the way, because it's a different way of looking at where we are. It's, an, in my opinion, it's the objective lens which takes us out of this stupid political bifurcation of Democrats are bad, Republicans are good. This is nonsense. My guess is that when, if what I'm saying is correct and whatever point this information flows out, When the grenade pin gets pulled and the spoon flies off of that grenade, there's three seconds. And my guess is when that three seconds ends its time, sometimes it's five seconds, by the way. When it ends its countdown, you're going to end with both parties incinerated to the ground because it's not about politics. This is about saving the human race. And equally, my guess is that this what we're calling the white hats or whatever. Everyone's trying to look inside of like the U.S. military. I don't think it's anything like that. I think there is a network of people globally working, and I think they are working behind the scenes to help awaken humanity so humanity can take a stand and pull this thing down. But it's not going to look like anything anybody has any idea. And it's not going to be in one particular pay place or one particular uniform or one particular base. It's just, again, it's inside of these networks everywhere. And it's slowly pulling it down with a, a quote, invisible hand. But the only way it will succeed in the end, truly, that's the human dimension. The only way this succeeds in the end is that God is there in everybody's heart. And that's essential. So now we go to Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That initial passage, which is Hebrews 12, to 2, pretty much sums up everything of where, in my opinion, we are walking right now. That we must literally run this race with endurance, eyes completely and totally on Jesus, and holding that path no matter what comes at us. continuing for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against him so that you will now will not grow weary or and lose heart. This piece right here somehow gets misplaced by a lot of people. and I say that just from what I encounter that we forget what he endured for us in the midst of hostility, And the gift that it was given to give us perpetual strength and to never lose heart. And unfortunately, we get wrapped up in the noise and confusion and the silliness of our own lives, which are pretty petty in many ways. And in the midst of all that, we get, we turn and we're like, oh, God, help us. And we're, we're losing faith. And I hear this a lot, like it's getting so heavy. I'm losing faith. I'm we didn't come close to what christ went through and the whole point of that was to demonstrate not a single point one of the points of this was to demonstrate the true strength of the son of god in 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 the face of impossible odds to endure and to never lose heart he never broke in this time we're in there is an increasing craziness of, and it's insanity. It really is. And because of that, and I've talked so much about this in the shows, is there is a a desire by many to see it end. We want it over. When's it going to end? Can't wait till we have just I can't wait till we have the Q movement come together and say, hello, guys, look what we won. I can't wait till the ticker tape parade. I can't wait till Trump gets back. I I could go on a list of crazy stuff. And yet, the whole point of this is the endurance of the race. It's not the finish. We're not waiting to have God just Sit there and go, okay, don't worry about it. It's all over. Our part, every person's part, is critical in all of this. We have a personal culpability in what's happened, and we have a personal accountability in every aspect of what's becoming. And our participation in that is. Shaped by our relationship in Jesus. And then through Christ to the Father. And as we step away from those moments, when we start to start to seek that path on our own, and we start to feel the weight of the world and we start to lament because it's too heavy, we're stepping away from the purpose of walking with Jesus. I don't know God's timing, neither do you. And one of the things that drives me crazy about this stuff is the number of people that constantly are trying to predict an end. I mean, even biblically, if we just take that little more than just biblically, we're told that it is not our role to prophesy about or prophesy about a future unless it is truly God's word. And the, the penalty when we're speaking for God and we're wrong is death. We don't know the endurance. We don't know the period of time for this. We just know that God gave us the strength of endurance and above all, he gave us his son sacrificed on a cross in the most brutal of ways. The thing that the Catholic Church constantly celebrates with him pinned on the cross in every one of their churches and mind-bending locations. We are literally making a choice when we step into our fear to step away from the gift that Christ gave us. But this goes on. Hebrews 12, starting at four. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. In bold letters, it says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for for discipline that you endure For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline of the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. In those few passages that is Hebrews 12 1 to 11 and ending with this therefore strengthen the hands that we that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. That's our path so clearly in literally, one segment, little tiny segment of the Bible, Hebrews 1 12 to Hebrews 1, 12 to 1 to, or I guess Hebrews 12, excuse me, I can't even say it right today. Hebrews 12, 1 to 13. We're we're in the pursuit. We're not trying to find the finish. We're dedicated ourselves truly to that love and passion of Christ. And we're emboldened by the sacrifices which he made and give us strength in our heart never to grow weary or lose heart in this fight. And in the process, we're going to be challenged. And the Lord will discipline us and it will seem at times unfair. In fact, it may seem unjust by comparison to so many that are wandering out there that seem to be not having to deal with anything. We're going to feel at times that the burdens get heavier because as we're walking with the Lord, he's taking interest as us in us in a personal way of development to raise us up, to improve us, to give us make us stronger so that we will be able to share in his holiness. And the result of all of that is that as the process goes through, what we know as we've experienced and we walked it is that it's a peaceful fruit of righteousness that is given as the product of being disciplined. All those challenges. So if we reframe this entire world and stop seeking the idols to try to fix it for us or the dreams of some men in Calvary uniforms racing in from the coast to save the day, We're going to start facing the true path of being accountable and part of the process which God wants us to be in. And what changes there is there's no more concern for what victory looks like, but rather the embracement of the process to get there. That is critical. Because wasting the time of worrying about a future which you have no idea about or cannot control is losing the moments in which we live. And in all of this, what is happening is we're identifying our own weaknesses. We're strengthening our own weaknesses to heal them. We're becoming stronger, sharing more deeply in the holiness which God gives us. And offers us. We're building the intimacy through Christ and to the Father. And that true warrior, that true royalness of us is rising up. And along the way, it's not that we're just self focused because we're working as God leads us to raise up the many. But the victory, the end, is not even a consideration. And what is, I think in a rhetorical sense, if you just pose this question to yourself, what does heaven look like? And if you paint pictures of physicalities, I think that it's it's a kind of an insult to God. I literally have sat and had that question asked and listened to people in Bible studies and you end up with some crazy stuff like, oh, it's going to be gold streets and we're all going to be together and we're going to be celebrating and we're going to be living in just unlimited joy and celebration all the time. And it's like, okay, that sounds like something that Disney painted. And the reason I asked that rhetorical question is that really there should never be an end in this evolution of greatness. We tend to think terminally. We tend to think like, okay, we're going to join Christ and then What? Or he's going to sit around? Because God doesn't work that way. And I don't challenge for an interpretation, but to realize that in the context of what has been written and in the pursuit of what Jesus showed us, it is a constant pursuit forward. It never stops, whether here or in the afterlife. It's a constant striving towards getting greater. That was a premise in a book called Jonathan Livingston Siegel, which it was always stunning to me because that book became heavily criticized by the Christian community. And yet it was all about this constant pursuit of greatness, never, ever stopping to try to push higher, push farther, go greater, go faster. Really, that's everything that we're doing right now and everything that we're being given as a gift. We're seeing this entire system And one of the biggest, for what it is, the true face of this, that evil has come forward. It's no longer in the darkness. It is now in the light to be exposed. Literally Mark 4.22, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. I mean, that's we're literally living Mark 4.22 right now. It's here before us. And so with that, there are all sorts of what I would consider traps, snares, or even landmines. And one of those is the idolatry and worship of politicians. Because as we look towards one side and we go, oh, look at all that evil, and then we look over here and we're like, oh, he's going to fix it for us. That's not what God commanded us to do. And it is never was never our intent, and it sure as heck isn't the path of following Jesus. And when we're following that, path of Jesus, and we're running that with endurance in the race, we're constantly pursuing towards those higher levels, none of this other stuff has any hold on us. In fact, it, it just kind of diminishes, because the greatness of what God's offering us is so profound, so great, those, the opportunities that are arising before us are so incredible. Prayers begin to be answered. Great things manifest and our purpose in life aligns more and more closely with him, whatever that looks like. And we're even within Bar's Nation, there's just incredible stories like this happening. And it's really an honor to have to read some of these and to people share them with me. And and it is truly a blessing. Great things happening from somebody. Praying and then having an opportunity to get property and to start their homestead or one of our mods that is now has an amazing new position working with a church and everything that they had sought through God has happened, including a new house and everything that they needed exactly as it was in a very a lot of moving pieces all comes together. I mean, this is a profound space that we're in that when we're aligning with God, amazing things are happening. But the eyes are not on the finish. The eyes are on the pursuit. And to me, when we're working that way, even if and if you've ever run long distance, you'll know that how much relevance there is in that or done long distance races. I've mentioned I used to run long distance. In high school, I rode for the Oregon crew team for two and a half years. I've raced bicycles. These are long-term things. Like when you're in that race, you don't think about the finish. You're thinking about each phase and the process of each stroke or each spin of the pedal or each step of the foot. Because if you start focusing on the end before you get close, you wear yourself out mentally and you lose the opportunities that are before you. And along the way, like I said, there's going to be some rebukes. We need them. We have to have them. We should welcome them. Because that's God taking a special interest in purifying us through trial. And all that's said and done, then all these other things, these theories about it, which may have relevance, okay? And I and I'm I'm not going to I'm not saying this in a in a way to be snarky, but whether as someone's following a thread of the belief that John F. Kennedy Jr. is alive, that's their choice. I'm not going to take either side of that at this point. I just look at the world and go, anything's possible. Whether the Earth is flat or round, oval, a donut shape. Whether we are pursuing, whether Trump's going to come back or not. All of these things are traps because when we get obsessed with them, we're losing the focus of where we need to be, which is eyes on Christ. And as we pursue that, these other things that may be, that we're obsessing over, which that's what they become. Guns is another one, by the way. Guns has become a religion. And it's not that and I've said this many times, if there's anybody you going to talk to that loves good firearms and loves to shoot, it's me. But there's a difference between enjoying it as a hobby than pursuing it as an end. And that obsession is what controls people. And in that pursuit of Christ and that race that we're in, that is the path that we, at some point, just like the parable of the young rich man, In order to climb that mountain high enough, we're going to have to be willing to strip away everything. Doesn't mean you have to, but you have to be willing to, to cast away everything and to follow Jesus. And that is where we arrive at this incredible moment of self-sacrificing moment where we are putting ourselves before all things, or I'm sorry, putting the objective of the mission before our, in, our desires, our personal desires, because we've stripped it away, and all we have left now is that true pursuit of Christ, no matter what that means, even if that means being pinned on a cross. All of that sits right there in Hebrews. A profound gift that God gives us each day in scripture let us pray father as we sit here tonight we're just very humbled by just the gifts that you've given us starting with mark 422 for nothing is hidden except to be revealed nor has anything been secret but that it would come to light You have given us this gift and continue to give that gift every single day. And though we sometimes shake our head at the insanity of the world, you've nonetheless not allowed us to sit in darkness, but instead have given us eyes to see and continue to show what we are willing to see, the depth and depravity of this world, but equally in in the reflection, the incredible joy and perfection of that which we pursue. Father, we pray tonight just for the calming of hearts. There's a lot of anxiety these days. And there's a lot of tension. And we pray for the calming of hearts. Because in the pursuit of Jesus, we all know that this ends perfectly. And so rather than have people worry about what's coming tomorrow, if we could just simply embrace the beauty of the path that we're on. Even if that path is wrought with landmines and challenges. You're giving us something that we have to dig deep to find. And those are the greatest gifts of all, the ones that are not obvious, the ones that are not easy, but that the ones that reveal and gift in such a profound way that in the end we truly bear the fruit of peaceful righteousness. So, Father, we just pray for that gift to be a o- an awareness of that gift to be with so many, all those that are willing. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name, Amen. It is a. I I just when I say it, it is a beautiful time to be, and I say this every time, every night. Literally, it's a glorious time to live. And I, and I just need to probably qualify that a little bit. It doesn't when I say that it doesn't mean it's easier and, or not challenging but I just find it so profound that we're sitting in a moment that is literally biblical. It's in scale that we aren't dealing with like roaming hordes on horseback coming into villages with swords and skewering everybody and throwing the women into cages and dragging them away or something that might happen. If you're in Chicago, inner city might not be a good place to be. Don't know. But instead, we're dealing with a place where when we're seeking God right now, for the most part, our worlds are insular to what's going on to the outside. And it isn't that we aren't dealing with challenges of family members or challenges with some of the local magistrate issues or challenges in a local store, but they're very minuscule by magnitude of what's being the rhetoric that's being pressed across the nation. And that rhetoric's there for a reason. Because those that are trying to engineer this world are trying to break the eyes that God's given them to see to drag them back into the darkness so they're once again blind. But as we sit on the outside, this increasingly looks like a clown show. It becomes increasingly almost ridiculous at one level and unimportant and insignificant is the better term in our lives because the significance of who we are all centers around the simple idea of pursuing Christ. What an amazing and simple, yet life enduring process because it doesn't happen quickly. It will never go away. And it is always there for us to walk with and be enriched by. I can't think of a greater gift or a greater time to be. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. We need a lot of prayers just for people to lift up and look and see. God's given us everything we need, and we just have to be willing to see it. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war, and it is an insidious war. But our way through is pretty easy. Walk fearlessly and boldly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Pedras, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then, or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
1: All this time
2: to prove that we could stand here too. All the night been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something, to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see Got found reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world's too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith when your soul answers calls far away. Darling, pounding all the ways Where you are a safe place to hide from the rain